1: I silented quite easily today. It could be the rain. I told our team as we were huddling and praying, I can't hear out of my right ear right now. And so if there's any questions on this side of the room, I won't hear them. So uh debatably can't see out of that either. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I got some, for whatever reason, this fake spring that we got gave me fake spring allergies that are just de- destroying and crushing my soul right now. So uh, if I'm a little loopy, I haven't taken any medicine, but you know the lightheadedness that comes with... Uh, All of this, so uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So uh, anyway, but happy to be with you. We do have a lot of ground to cover today. I actually told the worship band ahead of time that I might go long because there's just a lot to cover. And so... Uh, Unfortunately, not unfortunately, exciting for you, there's just a ton to cover. So we kind of have to get to work early, okay? So Matthew chapter 10 is where we're going to be today. Uh, We're exploring the fifth, uh, uh, we've been exploring the five major teachings of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. They're called the five discourses uh, in Matthew. The first is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. The second one is when Jesus sends out his disciples. It starts at the end of Matthew chapter 9, and then the bulk of it is the rest of chapter Chapter 10, where he focuses on mission uh, or the harvest. And last week, we talked about the idea that, 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 that we have been sent out to work or to labor in the fields uh, that are ready to be harvested. And, uh, and I'm excited about that, that you have been sent. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this doesn't apply to you. But if you are, you say you're a Christian or you're a follower of Jesus, that Matthew 28, where who will end this uh, gospel, uh, he he basically says, hey, you are to go out into all of the world and make disciples. And then in Acts 1, he says you're going to go to the ends of the earth doing so as well. And so you have been sent. There is no excuse. You are a part of this if you are a follower of Jesus. You don't have to wait to be sent. You are sent out by him. Uh, last week, I, I made a quote. Uh, it should be on the screen. Uh, by I said it was by John Mark Comer. I was mistaken. Uh, that's why his... It's, it's crossed out. Uh, John Mark Comer is quoting a man named Dallas Willard who, if I find out he's quoting someone else, then you know what? It just happens, okay? It's just the way the world goes. But Dallas Willard says this, who John Mark Comer quotes in his new book, uh, Practicing the Way of Jesus, uh, the greatest issue facing the world today is whether or not those who identify as Christians will become disciples, practitioners, students, and followers of Jesus the Christ. And I don't know if you've heard that, if you weren't here that, that this past week, this, this last week, but this should be hopefully a challenging thing. It should, be, it should be something that you ask this question. Am I someone who is just identifying as a Christian, or am I, am, am I am someone who is a disciple, a follower, a practitioner? An apprentice of Jesus Christ. Uh, for me, it, it actually asks, it, it should allow me to ask the question, and it should convict me in different areas of my life where I've just been pretending to be a Jesus follower, as opposed to practicing the way of Jesus. Now, in his new book, which I think is fantastic, and you should you should consider buying it if you're if you're asking this question, and you you said, "Hey, I've been a." I've been identifying as a Christian, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a disciple of Jesus. Uh, He talks about the grammar of the idea of a disciple. It's not. It's not actually a. uh, It's not a verb. Disciple is a noun, and so. And that's why every time I try to make. Uh, disciple a verb on any of my word processors, it gives me a spell check error because it is not a verb. It is a noun. It is something you are. It's not something that you're doing. And so it's a very it's a very consistent thing. And so this is, this book is a very challenging thing. I can I can show you a copy of it before you leave. Uh, for me as a child, I liked to play different sports. Growing up, I played. Baseball, football, basketball, and uh, I didn't really, honestly, I didn't really like love the playing part of it. I loved like dressing up in the uniform and looking like I was playing, but I didn't really like playing. You know what I mean? Like specifically football, like hitting people and have being concussed, not cool. You know, and um, and uh, I, but you know, was cool is being aware your school's uniform on Friday. Uh, at, Friday at school, in middle school, you know what I mean? Because those were what the cool kids were doing, right? They were wearing their their, their football jerseys. That's what you were supposed to do. And so for me, I like the idea of playing sports. I like the idea of being a football player, but I never really was one, never really was good at it. So uh, And so anyway, but th- so hopefully today, as you th- consider this, as we kind of shift from the notion of you are sent, you are called to go work the field, so how are we called to do that? Uh, that you wouldn't just identify or play the role of Christian, but you would actually be a disciple of Jesus. And so this is what we're talking about today. So Matthew chapter 10 verse 5 is where we're starting. So, But to do that, we have to identify where is the field that you've been called to. So where is your field? This is This is what... Jesus is sending the disciples out, and he gives them a very specific group of people to go and minister to, and he will do the same to you, I believe, that that he's... Placed you in a, in a specific time as this to minister to a specific group of people, so that they will know the truth about who Jesus is. Later, and these these spaces shift, these fields shift in times, and so later the disciples will be sent out, and they're not just sent to the Jewish people in this time; they're sent out to all of the nations. And so, verse five. In chapter 10, that's the wrong gospel in my book. There we go. Here we go. So he says this. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere... Among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but what? But rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he's sending them very specifically to the house of Israel to hear that the good news that the Messiah, the Anointed One, Jesus Christ, that's what Christ is, the Messiah, Christ is Messiah or Anointed One, is coming. He has arrived. And so he's not sending them yet to the Gentiles. So where is your field as you think about this? Where has God sent you? Or where has God placed you to work and to proclaim the good news uh, that Jesus is the saving king? Now, there is another time, way that Jesus frames this. And he, he frames it differently, not just workers going into a field. He frames it as fishermen fishing for people and not fish. In Matthew 4.19, it says this. It should be on the screen as well, but there. Can't turn the pages of my book. That's good. There we go. Matthew four nineteen says this. He says, and he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And so, if you need, if you know, if 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 the agrarian uh, illustration isn't working for you this morning, you know, you don't want to be a farmer, then be a fisherman. Okay, not where, where's your field? Where's your pond? What pond are you fishing? I had a there's a pastor um, who. Uh, used to talk about this all the time with me. He's, he kind of was a church planting coach, and he would talk about, hey, what, what pond are you fishing in, Russell? He's from Texas, so he had a, a more southern accent. And I'm not going to be able to hear that with my right ear and not be able to hear it, but his name was Dan. He had a big beard, and uh, he wore a cowboy hat, and he used to call me Bud, and uh, I hate being called Bud. So if you want me to think about hitting you in the face, that's Keep calling me Bud. But anyway, I didn't hit Dan because Dan was trying to help us, you know, think about planting. But he would go to the same place every Friday. Big Dan. He'd go and he, hey Russell, uh, I can't do it. All right, anyway, um, can't do it today. Not today. Don't have time for it. There's a lot of work to do. But Dan, he would call me Bud. He'd say, hey, what what pond are you fishing, Bud? And I, was, one, please don't call me that, Dan. But two, my name's Russell. And and then I would explain to him, you know, this is kind of where I was. He would he would he would go to the same places every day. Uh, not every day, and it wasn't every day, excuse me he'd go to the same place at the same time every week and people knew that he was there to minister to them to be available didn't push himself on people didn't force himself to, 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 to didn't force the issue but just he found a hobby that he liked and that's where he spent his time and that's where he invested his time and people knew and, over, and he did it for years and over the years people knew when they had issues they'd come talk to him he'd say I'm sitting over here if you ever need me I'll be over here come interrupt me and uh, and so for you, he go, He go to the same place every Friday. You can create that. You can create it out of a hobby. It could be, uh, some of you love going to the gym. You go to the gym every single day uh, at the same time, and that's that could be your thing. Some of you love running, and it could be a running club. Uh, for uh, those of us who have young kids, it could be, your kids' activities, it's like, hey, you're forced into being with these people because your kid likes soccer and they want to keep doing this. And so that's a very simple way to do this. Uh, it could be you maybe have a good work community that's around as well. Uh, it could be your family that is, is your mission field, is, is the field that you, is the pond that you are laboring and that you're working in as well, that you're fishing. Um, now, There's a guy, he's a, I'm from Atlanta, so... Uh, Every, if you're in Atlanta, you know this pastor named Andy Stanley. He pastors a large church called North Point. Uh, and there's a quote from him that I think is very profound. You might not like Andy Stanley because he can be controversial at times. But this is gold. And he says this, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do but someone you raise. Which, that's a powerful thing to, to look at our kids as a mission field, as an opportunity to make disciples uh, of our kids. And so the greatest contribution you might make uh, to this kingdom is not something that you do, but someone that you raise. And so that's why raising our kids to follow and pursue Jesus matters. It matters. I mean, for me, um, If you, I work out of Parisi, which is a coffee shop on 80th Street uh, in Metcalf, and I work there uh, maybe two days a week. And so I I work there all the time. Like I'm there all like if you happen to go on a morning, more than likely from Tuesday to Tuesday, Thursday or Friday, I will be there. And I've started to have these conversations with these different people who see me. The same people that work there every day. We talk, we talk. There's two toms that work there. We're talking. We're chatting, you know, like we're we're starting to have conversations. And it's it's a it's a great way to do it. But I, I have to I have to I could go there in the morning and just say, Hey, I'm going to work. And yes, I do. I have things I have to do, but also I go there. I'm going to go work. But if there's a conversation or there's a, a possibility, an open time for me to to learn more about one of these toms or to talk to one of the baristas and hear how their day's going and potentially offer some of the truth, the good news of Jesus, like that I'm going to and I will. <clears throat> and so the the big thing for us is where's your field? Is is if you are going to look as someone that has been sent then where is your field? Excuse me, I have to cough really fast. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, I don't know if that's going to go away. We'll see how it goes. Um, so where's your field? Because if you don't, Id- if you don't identify, <coughs> excuse me, if you don't identify uh, the field that you're going to harvest, then you won't work in it. Uh, it's similar to if you uh, struggle with scheduling and figuring out how to organize your time. If you, for me, if I don't schedule something, I won't do it. It's the same concept. So if you don't ever identify your field, then you won't, you're, you're less likely to actually do it. It's not going to randomly happen uh, unless you are a Bob Goff character and you can just function like that. And if you don't know who Bob Goff is, then read his book and you'll understand what I just said. So. All right, so once you identify your field, what are you to do? Uh, well, we're to do what Jesus says. We're to do what he says. We talked a little bit about this last week, but, but, but we're to do everything that he says. It'll start in verse 7. But what he does, he, he does these few things. He proclaims, he heals, he cleanses, he casts, and he, he relies on God for everything. That's what he does in his fields. He, he does. So one of the things he does do. He proclaims the good news that that they, he's arrived, that the kingdom of God is here. That we say, uh, we, and if you haven't heard this yet, we're going to you're going to hear this a lot. If what is what are we proclaiming? We're making Jesus known. We're proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the saving King. That Jesus Christ is the saving King. That He is the Messiah that came, that was promised. He came and that He died and rose again to forgive us and save us from our sins. And that He's King and that we are loyal to Him. Like we proclaim that. We bring healing to places. We cleanse. We, we take things that are dirty and make them new. We cast out the evil in, in, in the world around us. And then, as along the way that we're doing it, we trust Him well. He, he, trust Him along the way. He says this in verse 7. He says, and proclaim, uh, he's saying to the disciples, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons you received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper from, for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or, or a staff, for the laborer deserves this food. And whatever town or village you enter, find, it, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. I'm going to keep going. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if any One will not receive you and listen to your words. Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And so he gives them instruction to... Practice what Jesus did to proclaim the good news. Bring Where can you bring healing, spiritually, emotional, physical healing? Where can you bring, uh, essentially, the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount to your life? Where can you love your enemy? Where can you bring justice? Where can you bring hope? Where can you bring be the city of light and darkness? Where can you clean up? Where can you let the light of Jesus shine into the places? And then... He gives very specific instructions, which from uh, verses 11 through 15 in here. And uh, Joanna, who's hosting today, uh, shares uh, this. She, she kind of shared this with me maybe a few years ago when we started talking about this. Um, but there's this very simple practice of praying and watching, of pray and watch. And this is what Jesus is telling them to do. If you're really looking at verses 11 through 15, He's saying, hey, I want you to go out into the city, I want you to do the things that I did, and then I want you to watch and see who receives it, and I want want you to watch and see who doesn't. And if someone receives it, then keep going, keep sharing, keep investing and spending time with those people. And if someone doesn't, this might sound harsh, but it's, it's move on. Is what he tells them to do. He tells them some some whole cities will reject them, and he tells them to move on. And then Jesus is is talking about the judgment for those who don't believe. But for us, it's very simple. Like if you're if you go to the same place, you go to the same pond, you go to the same field. It's the gym or it's the coffee shop, and someone seems like they are rejecting or not interested in hearing the good news of Jesus. I'm not going to shove it down their throat. I'm going to say at this time I have prayed and I'm watching. I don't see this person, we call them persons of peace. I don't see this person to being a persons of peace, and I'm going to wait for another opportunity. But until then, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let them go, and I'm going to wait for the next person. I'm going to wait for the next person. And, and I think a lot of times we think that we have to win in these moments. Like, we have to win. I have to win. It's in our language. You need to go win someone for Christ, right? You ever heard that before? Which, yes, we want people to come to Jesus. We really do. We really do but it's not a game that we're playing it's 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 not a game it's people's lives it's 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 their it's, it's 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 their whole selves and and so we are called as people who have been awakened or people who have come to know the good news of Jesus to be faithful to doing the, the work we're, we're called to be faithful to doing the work, and when we see someone who is receptive, we continue to be faithful in that space, and then when we see someone that is not, that is rejecting us, then we are to be obedient to what God has told us to do, to move on and to looking for the next person as well. Uh, we, we used to say this when I was growing up, you're not called, maybe you've heard this, you're not called to be successful, you're called to be faithful, uh, and uh, and and, and that's, we're called to be faithful. We're called to be faithful because we, we want to be disciples of Jesus. Jesus did this, and we want to model this as well. And so watch who is open. Look for open doors. And, uh, and I, I, I for me, the way maybe I'm softening this, but I think there might be an open door with that person that rejects you down the road. And so looking for that open door a little bit later. You might have to wait for a little bit later as well. Well, what happens if persecution comes? Like, this makes me uncomfortable. What if I'm in an uncomfortable situation? What, what if persecution comes? Well, Jesus, specifically the disciples, persecution is going to happen. So for, for them, for us, um, it happens sometimes in the U.S. and sometimes it doesn't. You might be excluded from something in your company. There's, there's some things. But, um, but he says this. He says, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings, for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And and, and honestly, the disciples that he's teaching and that he's sending out, this, this happens to them. And I don't know if you'll ever have to, to speak before Congress for your faith. I don't know if this is the promise that is coming he, here as well, but... But God is sending you into spaces that you might face opposition. It's a reality that you, you especially in our, in our current climax, you're going to face people who are uninterested in hearing what you, uh, w- what, what you have to say. And you might be worried. You might be afraid of like, I don't know what to say. And the good news in verse 19 is that God will give you the words. Like the the Holy Spirit will give you the words. He promises in verse 19. He says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious. How are you to speak or what are you to say? For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And this should comfort you. As if you are willing, if you're in a place where you say, Hey, I've identified my field, I'm gonna proclaim Jesus when it's appropriate. I'm gonna heal when it's appropriate. I'm gonna I'm gonna care. I'm gonna bring the kingdom of God to this coffee shop. When I'm there in the morning, I'm going to bring the kingdom of God into the gym, and I'm going to share the gospel in these places as well. And if when you face opposition, the good news is, is that God will speak through you, that he will, he will speak through you. Now, you have to slow down in that moment to, to be patient and maybe wait, but he'll use you in those times as well. We're going to skip to verse 28 because another, maybe another question you might have is, well, what if I'm afraid? This is scary. This is really scary. And Jesus says in verse 28, he says, And do not fear those who kill the body, great Lord, and cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from, from your father. But even your hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more value Than many sparrows. That's good news. Just so you know, encouragement today. Be blessed. You are valued than than many sparrows. (laughs) So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I, I will also deny before my Father in heaven as well. And so he basically says, "Hey, have no fear. Have no fear." And and again, we're not. We don't live in a place where you're going to be killed for your beliefs. There's, there's spaces in the world that 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 do like there 's places in the world that you could go to that you would pass away or someone would try to kill you for t- trying to convert someone uh, to, to the faith um, we don 't we don 't live in that now we, we experience different opposition in the u s and I, I do think there is there is persecution that we can experience here whether it be Uh, in in our work setting it could be from our families it could be from our friends who when we choose to try to pursue Jesus and live holy lives that we could do this as well when we try to have spiritual conversations we can be bullied on or we can be name called as well Um, but regardless of whatever that persecution looks like is we don't need to fear he says don't be afraid the worst thing they could do is kill you which is kind of funny. This is like for me this is this is like almost comical in all this. But like that's literally what he's saying. The worst thing they could do is kill you. And what he's trying to get at is that but you know what? The fo- God has, he's got you. He has your soul, he has your whole person as well. He says they might kill you, but they can't kill your soul. Now we could get into we don't have time to, but we could, in a very fun way, get into an existential conversation about the makeup of a human being and the soul and the, and the, and the, the spirit and the physical and all these different things. But ultimately, the, the, what he's saying is, is that God could, can completely end you as a person. This person can only physically kill you, but God has you. And, we, and also, because of the future thing that Jesus is going to do, is as a follower of Jesus, I should have no fear of death. I can have no fear of death because the one that I believe in, the one I I plant my flag in, the one I trust in, this saving king has conquered death when he rose from the grave and has aligned all of us with him. If we are united in Christ, that even though my my body may perish, I will be. I am alive with him, and I will reign with him forever. And there's nothing to worry about because God will keep you as well. And in some ways, this is this is looking beyond. Just it might be uncomfortable. I might be rejected. I might be made fun of. Someone might call me a bigot. Uh, people. What whatever else you could add to this as well. But it doesn't matter. It pales in comparison to the fact of what Christ has done and that they can't do anything to you compared to what he can. And he has saved you and loves you and cares for you. And then he, he gives this, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. And then he continues on. So, you know, you might face persecution. You might face death or you, you might be afraid. And then, uh, but what if this is divisive? And he says that this will be divisive. This good news, there's a divisive nature towards the gospel. And he says this in verse 34. He says, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've come, not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I come to set man against father and daughter, against her mother and daughter-in-law, against her mother-in-law... There's probably a joke there we could probably make, Um, and a person's enemies uh, will be those of his own household. But he says this, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so he kind of is going through all of these different things. He's saying, hey, if you're worried about persecution, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But guess what? I'm going to be with you. i got the words. Hey, if you're worried about, you're, 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 you're afraid because you're afraid they might kill you. It's okay. God has you. Even if you die, he has you. Hey, what about your family? This might be a divisive thing even inside your family. And he's saying, hey, it, this, 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 if for them specifically, for the 12 disciples, this would be. This would be a divisive thing for their family, that, that, that Jesus, hey, I've aligned and acknowledging the fact that this person, Jesus, who I'm, I'm following, is the Messiah, I'm going to spend my life following him. That would have been a divisive thing for their family. And it might be divisive for your, your family today, but he concludes with, and whoever does not take his, uh, does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is divisive. This is a different way of the world. It's loyalty to Jesus. is ultimately what Jesus is getting at, even in these fears, even in, in the divisive nature of the good news, even in facing persecution, what Jesus is saying is, ultimately, am I your king? Are you loyal to me? At every, at every turn, are you willing to acknowledge Jesus? before people? Because if you do so, hey, my, I'm a, like, my Father's going to acknowledge you. Are you willing to do so? Are you willing to, to take up your cross and pursue me? To, to, to lay down your life and to pursue me? To, to find your life in me? Because if you do so, it's going to look different. It's going to look like, not like everyone else. It's why Jesus says, narrow is the gate for those who find life it's narrow. It's not wide. It's narrow. And it's going to look different. And it means you might face persecution. It means your life might look different. And um, and, it's, and it's loyalty as well. And so as his followers, as people who have been sent out by Jesus, we have been called to we've been sent. We've been sent to work the fields. We've been sent to fish a pond for people so that they could also come and find this incredible life in Jesus, the life that we've been called to live, the life that we were created to live as well. And it looks like doing and practicing what Jesus did around us and working the fields and pruning people to him as well. And so I I want to invite you a little bit into a dream that I have. Uh, So uh, when, before we planted Mission City, Cassidy and I, uh, we've lived here for a decade now, uh, 10 years, NKC, let's go, let's go. If you would have told me, I'm from Georgia, so if you told me when I moved to Colorado that I would leave Colorado and move to Kansas City for 10 years, I would just laugh at you. I drove through, uh, I, stated, I stated the legends in Kansas City on my way to Colorado the first time, and I thought to myself, I'm never going back there ever again. Uh, and here I am, 10 years later, we're here, what's up? Uh, but when we started, when we decided to plant, um, we went on this like long journey of praying through different spaces. And if, to be honest with you, if we had our way, not that we don't love you, but if we had our way, we probably would have been in Colorado Springs, or we would have been at a, at a, at a beach somewhere. Uh, the beach, just because we like the beach, okay? Colorado Springs, because we grew up, we, we didn't grow up there, but we, we met there and spent some time there. And, um, but for whatever, not for whatever reason, God brought us here, and God told us to plant here, and uh, wanting to make Jesus known and multiply disciples here. And, uh, and so we know that God has us in this little area, this little pocket in the city, and we love it. And... Um, when you, start, when, you study, when you start church planting, they, they tell you, they, they say, you need to plant pregnant, which is a really funny way to talk to a church planter about. It's just a funny concept. But they want, planting pregnant is the idea of in, in light, uh, when, you, when you plant, have the idea that you're not just going to be an independent or just one single church for your entire existence. Try to go in there with the idea that you're going to plant other churches. Because if you don't, you'll you'll more than likely never do it. It kind of goes back to the idea if you never identify your field, then more than likely you'll just keep going to that field, but you won't work it. You'll You'll just be there. And you'll be like, oh, God could really use me here, but you won't be doing anything in that field. And so it's the same thing. You, we all have great intentions. We should. We want to go plant more churches, et cetera, whatever else it is. And so you should plant pregnant. And we didn't, just so you know. Like there's not like some big announcement happening. today. Hey, we're launching a church, whatever. But the, the goal is, it's still in my heart, in my mind, that I desire for Mission City to be a church that not only multiplies disciples, but also multiplies churches in Kansas City and around the area. And I've, th- I've thought a lot about this. Um, and I, I want to be a place where we are able to send people from this field to another part of the city to minister and to hope and and to do that as well. That needing healthy family, uh, that needs a healthy family farm that's going to cultivate the kingdom of God uh, wherever where, wherever else it is. And uh, honestly, like as I think about, I'm kind of thinking like two to three years out. I, like I think it's actually very possible for us to do in two to three years from now. And you might be like, that's crazy. So there's like 60 people in the room. What do you mean? There's no way. There's, there's no way. And I think there is a way. First is, uh, I don't dream um, of ever being like a giant megachurch. Like, I don't know if you've ever, if that's what you thought, that's what we're producing or going towards. No. Like, I'd love to get to 150 to 200 people that love Jesus, that would say, hey, they're, dis- they're disciples of Jesus. And, and then from that place, they, they move out. And then we take half of them, and they go over here, and then we just keep doing it over and over and over again. And, um, and for this to happen, number one, and the most important, no matter what, is that Christ teaches us that Christ will build his church. If Christ doesn't do it, it will not happen. Um, but number two is that he has invited us and sent us out to work the fields, to work the ponds that we've been called to. And so we must participate in the mission of God as well. Like if you don't, if I don't, if we don't participate in the mission of God, then we will just stay the same size. Not like the numbers matter in that way, but in the sense of like we won't fulfill the calling that God has on his church in the city. We won't completely fill the, the, the role that God has for us and why he's called us to be in this city as well. And so my, as the pastor of Mission City, is I'm inviting you. I'm pr- I've been praying for you for a few months now. I've been praying for this kind of season that we're about to enter into, is that you would participate that you would join in, that you would be all in on this idea that you are a worker sent to a field or that you are a fisherman or a fisherwoman sent to fish a pond uh, and that you would take this seriously, that you would say that God has called you to to, to to make him known in this world around you, that you would take that seriously. And so here's a couple of challenges that I have for you um, and then I'm going to invite the band to come back up. But the first one, it's it's not too difficult. This is the low-hanging fruit is is will you be, this is kind of comical the way I'm asking this, so just I'm being slightly sarcastic, so I apologize. Um, but will you be a, a, an above-average church attender? That's my first one. Will you be an above-average church attender? Uh, and let me tell you what I, what I mean by that. The stats in the U.S. currently would say that people attend church a little under two times a month they do that. So uh, one in some change, maybe one to two times a month. Um, and I would ask that you would show up and not just like to hear uh, Sunday not the only thing that happens, but to your community group, except, you know, all the, all the things that you do serving, whatever else it is. But would you just be above average? I would, and I'm saying that kind of funny, but I would, I'd like you to be perfect attendance, of course, but, but would you be, I know life happens. Would you be above average? Because here's the thing is if we start seeing God move and we start reaching people who are far from Jesus and they start coming into community groups, they start coming to our gatherings, you might be the person that God uses to minister to that person. You might be the person that they sit next to and that you greet during our greeting time prior um, prior to the message. And they connect with you and you're the reason why they stay. And that, that they're, you're the reason why they hear the good news, and you're the reason why that God uses God uses you to uh, connect them to the larger body, and then now they are able to become a they they are a disciple, and then they be, begin making disciples themselves. And so the, I I believe it's a huge part of it as well. Uh, I think I know in our generation we have commitment issues, we have FOMO, we all fear missing out, we all save the spots on our calendar until the very last second, because what if I commit and something better comes along? I, I get it. I do the same thing. I'm a part of you. I'm one of you. I'm a millennial, I promise. We can do this. But it's one of those things where um, also too, if you, are, if you start inviting people to come to church or come to your community group and you're not there, that's not good. And so um, would you consider being above average church tender? Second one is, will you actually identify your field? Will you actually do the work and see where God has sent you and, 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 and name it? Not just have it this loose thing, but name it. And say, this is where I'm going to focus my attention, my energy. And it could be one or two hours. It could be your neighborhood. It could be your neighbors. Um, and, uh, and then specifically, uh, it could be... It could be a friend from college that you're saying, I'm going to go back to my college friends and minister there as well. We talked about two group demographics recently. There's, there's the nuns or the, the, the unaffiliates that we absolutely have a heart to reach. We want to reach people who are far from Jesus. There's also a population of de church people who they have left the church over the last 20 years. And they're just, wait- they're just waiting for someone to say, hey, would you come back to church with me? And more than likely, that person will come at least check it out with you. That, that's like the low-hanging fruit. You, you might have a friend from high school or college that you know of, that you've even been praying for, that would come back to a community, and would you invite them to be a part of it as well? Um, and then uh, would you pray and watch? So would you not just, just do it idly? Would you not just go in and go crush people and just th- be a Bible thumper? You know, those Bible thumpers trying to win everybody, try to win every argument? No. Would you do... What Christ has told you to do, and go and pray and watch and see where He's working. Because that's what's going on. You realize those that are softened, hearts are softened for the gospel. Those hearts that are willing to receive the gospel, the Holy Spirit is working in that, 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 that moment to draw them to Jesus. And so be open and willing and obedient to what Christ is doing. And then for those that reject you, pray for them, that God would continue to move in their lives, that God would open and soften their hearts as well. And then would you, again, this is kind of connected to the others, but would you invite, like be willing to invite? This might not be the first space to invite them to, Okay. Like, if, you if, if you're a new person that came to the service today, like, this is probably not the most, not, I'm not saying we're not invite, inviting, but this is more of a, hey, I, like, I'm a, this, is a, this is a message for those that are followers of Jesus. Um, and, and so, your first place you might want to invite might be to your dinner table. The first place you might want to invite this person might be to your community group. I mean, think about which, which is more fun. Ryan Burroughs community group, or, or, or coming to listen to me, we are. And I'm not trying to make a joke. I'm just, it's like it's serious, right? Your community groups are way more fun than than this. You know what I mean? Like, th- and so yes, eventually to a point where they can join the body, and it might be easier for some of them. But but it doesn't necessarily have to be invite that person to church. Invite that person into your life. Invite that person into your life to see how you interact with your spouse, your kids. And then share the good news that Jesus is the saving king. And so that's what I desire that we would do that because you have been sent. I'm going to the van to come back up. Identify your field, pray and watch. And then what, 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 in this passage, what is Jesus ultimately asking them to do? Acknowledge me before people, and I will acknowledge you. Acknowledge Jesus before people. When persecution comes, when you might be afraid in times of division, acknowledge him among the nations acknowledge him, proclaim him that he is good. Heal people emotionally, care for people. When you see wrong, injustice, do something about it. But I believe that God wants to use you and I to, see, to make Jesus known in this world. So Lord Jesus, would you move today? We pray that you would move in our time as we respond. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.